Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and as always, this is my co-host. And my name is Chris Uddleston. And today we are trying something new with video. Um, you know, it occurs to me that we posted the audio as usual with no heads up that we were going to do video last time. And maybe people who listen heard the audio from Congo, where we're talking as though they can see us. And of course, on that platform, there is no visual. So we didn't, we didn't tell them how to get to the to YouTube, right? Okay. So we, yeah. we have a YouTube channel. If you want to see the video, uh, I think it's Chris and Chris Talk Movies. I don't know. How do you find us on YouTube? Do you have any idea how that works? If you go to YouTube mm. and you search for Chris and Chris Talk Movies, We'll get better at this. We will put a link <laughs> in the description of the podcast. Yes, that's what we'll do. We will get better at this and we'll give you a link. And if you're just listening in the audio, like you usually do, that's what's happening. We will try to not do, there, uh, there are some other podcasts I noticed that will do this where there are video and audio and there'll be, you know, uh, there'll be something that you have to see but if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see it. So we'll try right. to we'll try to avoid that. Other than well, the trailer, you know. yeah, yeah. We we did um, we did put the visual trailer in for Congo, and I'm going to do that again this week for this movie. But you'll have the audio and the audio version of it anyway. Anyway, we're this is a work in progress. So today yeah, we're figuring it out. We're using Zoom to record this uh podcast. And last week we did the Zencaster video and I think we're it's going to look a little different until we figure it out. And that's part of the fun. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the the sausage being made. This is yes. <laughs> or hearing hearing the sausage yes. being made which which maybe is kind of gross, I don't know. That's, yeah, right. Yeah. That phrase when you think about it turns people off of it. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so today we are very excited to be talking to you about the 1990 or 91? 91. 1991 thriller, Shattered.
Um, so I had never seen this one before. This was the suggestion that you made. You had seen it, correct? I just I was completely unaware of this film until about six months ago, and I and I saw it and and then watched it again for the podcast. So yes, all right. So I'll go first. I well, you want to go with the synopsis? Oh uh, yes, of course. Okay, I'm, I'm not used so, to being able to see you, so it's throwing oh, me yeah, off yeah, my yeah. game. So uh, it's a 1991 film, as we said, um, and here's the synopsis. Dan Merrick, played by Tom Berenger, and his wife, Judith Greta Scotchy, Sachi, I don't know how you pronounce her name, have a car accident. Judith is thrown free, but Dan is injured, his face disfigured. He comes out of a coma with amnesia, full of general knowledge, but completely ignorant of his own family life. Slowly, he begins to put the pieces back together, but there are troubling mem memories that don't mesh with the stories he's being told. And he hires private detective Gus Klein, played by Bob Hoskins, to help unravel the mystery of his past. All right. So, right. Yeah, and so you just, had not seen it. I had not seen it, and we're going to spoil it. And this is one of yeah. those thrillers where it sets up a bunch of possibilities, and then there's all kinds of crazy hairpin twists and turns at the end. And we're going to talk about all of it. Yeah, let's do this that, that disclaimer. We will spoil, and this is something along the lines of a uh, these. You know, there were a lot of these in the late '80s, early to mid '90s. Things like Double Jeopardy. I think it falls in that category. These kind of crazy, or even uh, Primal Fear, which we discussed in an earlier episode, fear. where there's this crazy yeah. twist at the end. It's like, oh no! So if you like those kind of films and you're not familiar with this, I think this movie is somewhat obscure. Um, then check it out and then come back and, and hear what, what we have to say, if you like. So, all right. Right. That Continue. being disclaimed. Um, yes. So, you know, it's Tom Berenger. I like Tom Berenger. I started watching this movie. It's set in San Francisco. Um, as it seems like a lot of these films at that time were in San Francisco for some reason, but. Uh, Basic Instinct that we covered yeah. a while back was San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Um, and. I want to talk about the first half of the movie first. Mm -hmm. So halfway through this movie, like I was saying to my wife who likes this genre, I was like, you did want she to watch, watch it with you? She did, did not you? Okay. for just because of reasons of when I ended up watching it. Like we were going to watch it that night. And then I don't remember if one of the kids had a tantrum something and we, we just weren't in the mood to watch it anymore. So I ended up watching it the next day. But um, halfway through, I thought, you know, she'd really dig this. This is pretty good. How did I never hear about this movie? Right. Because it's 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 hitting all the numbers. It's a little this whole genre. And I think the the early 90s can feel a little overripe now with the hair and the shoulder pads and everything. Sure. Um, Bob Hoskins, who is great, is in this. He is an ex-private eye. I guess he still sort of moonlights as a private eye who owns a pet store. Yeah. And he is doing his, he is doing his Roger Rabbit, you know, New York accent, which is good. It's, it's a good New York accent. It's, uh, it's really thick, you know? So he's, a, he's, he was a British, a British man, you know, it's, it's that's right. Bad. Right. Um, it's plausible. Um, but so there's a scene where he shows up to meet Richard Gere and he's wearing like a brand new New York Yankees ball cap. And I just thought that was gilded. Like, oh, he's from New York. <laughs> he's so obviously playing 
It's like, oh yeah, you know, I used to drive a cab. I'm like, come out here. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got it. So the whole thing is a little overripe. And this pet store, you know, all the animals are out, out of their cages. They're just, mm-hmm. there's a, it's a, a place with a back office where he has a desk and there's just a monkey and five cats and a snake is loose. And it's just like, oh, these crazy XBI pet store owners. Mm-hmm. So, and the whole thing has this vibe of like, so, you know, and Richard Gere is rich, you know, the lead characters in a lot of these movies are rich, but he's like crazy rich and powerful. Um, he's an architect. And it's all, they're all driving Rolls Royces and fancy cars, and it all feels a little, um, you know, over the top to me. But it's it's good, you know. And right off the get, you get this premise that there's a car accident. The doctor's telling his wife, "Oh, you know, it's like he's got amnesia. I'll be level with you. He may never regain it. Might come back. Might be a week. Might be six weeks. He might never be back." You know, and 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 you and you go okay. So that's the baloney pill we have to swallow in the beginning. And here we go. Most movies start with a mm-hmm. sort of something, and all the way through half of the movie, we discover like, oh, oh, it looks like there's a roll of film in his sort of private lockbox where it's got pictures of his wife, you know, having an affair with somebody, and you know, so you start to be like, oh, and there's sort of the his partner's wife is very being very flirtatious and strange with him. And you start to think, aha, well, yes, he's forgotten a lot of, you know, interesting things that we're going to uncover here. It's actually a little further than halfway through the movie. It's more like two thirds of the way through the movie. It just completely goes off the rails in the same way that their car goes off the highway. That's a good analogy. Yeah. It it just takes a hard left and you're flying through the air. And there is, there were so many places where I literally had to pause it and be like, wait, what, (laughs) what, what is happening here? And I enjoyed it. You know, I thought it was entertaining, but it it goes bonkers crazy in terms of straining plausibility. There's a bunch of little stuff, and I know I'm rambling on here, but there's a bunch of little stuff like, so their office is in the Transamerica building, which is the big skyscraper in San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco for six years. Um, And one of their big projects is, it turns out they're kind of sleazy, sketchy dudes that like to grease the wheels to get their big projects done that aren't environmentally friendly. And, you know, they're sort of bad guys in the corporate And way. the partner is played by uh, Corbin Burtson. Yes. Who's, who's great favorite of the in 90s. the role. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, but is totally plausible as a kind of a, you know, sleazy guy, rich guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the things that they have this big Marina deal that they're doing and the sketchy thing about it is they had to pay off some EPA people to get it moving uh, because there is like a tanker ship that is sort of a ground or and it was full of toxic waste. Yeah, it just has toxic waste. Just off the, on the shore of San Francisco where they want to develop. So, you know, if it's Raccoon City. Or, you know, somewhere in Czechoslovakia that you've never been to. Maybe you just go with it. But, you know, San Francisco is, it's a small town. And there, <laughs> there's just the idea that some tanker full of toxic waste sort of crashed or 
it's they go in it it's like a location mm-hmm. it's a cool location in the movie too yeah it's spooky but in the movie at one point he follows his wife and she goes driving down through the fog and she goes driving down these roads i'm like where is this <laughs> you know it's this magical part of san francisco that doesn't exist and it's crazy ramshackle little huts and but there's nobody there it's the middle of the day it's absolutely deserted in the middle of the day and he goes down and follows her and there's this sort of ship that you can get to that there's like a dock to and you can go in the ship and there's nobody in there either and there wouldn't be be crawling with homeless people and it turns out to be a pivotal you know climactic place in the movie but architecturally this idea of this is set in san francisco and a lot of it takes place, you know, down in the old toxic ship ruin. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it about about a quarter of the way through that stuff starts, and then it just gets worse and worse. And you're like, it, it's crazy. And when we get to the end, well, I want we can unpack that together. But I've been going on a long monologue until now. So what it, you know, you tell me. But you've seen it twice now. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Um, yeah, I really, I enjoyed it. It um, it has a, this is definitely not as good a film as something, and this is not really in the category of erotic thriller, like a basic instinct. There's not really sex scenes and stuff in this, you well, know, like, a couple, like, but it's, yeah. not the, it's not the point. It's, right, right. It's, it's a spice in the stew. Yeah, but it's not meant to be like super salacious, like like a basic instinct. Right. And this is definitely as not as well made a film as that. I would say it looks kind of almost made for television, you know, to a degree. It's not like super well shot. I mean, it's competently made, um, but it's not as glossy as a, as a basic instinct, I, I would not say, or some of those other thrillers of that time. Um, but it is very fun, uh, you know, like you said, when you get to that sort of two thirds point and we'll get to the, we'll get to the, the twist and, uh, in a moment, but cause it's just so ridiculous and silly. And I will admit to being, I'm really terrible at guessing twists or who the killer is or that kind of thing, because, um, I, I don't re- necessarily try all that hard. I get kind of wrapped up in the acting and the cinematography and all that. And I just kind of go with it. So I'm not like from the opening scene saying, oh, I bet this is what happened. But that being said, w- w- was this a twist that you would have guessed? No, not in a million years. Yeah. So, yeah. so bodies start turning up, right? And it turns out it seems like the lover, Jack Stanton, right? It seems like he might have gotten killed. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, great name. Seems like maybe he got killed. And, and the first one of the early things you think is, uh-oh, so this guy who doesn't have a memory, you killed the lover, buddy. Like maybe you're going to be haunted by this horrible truth that comes out. Of course, then he has a conversation with um, his partner's wife, who definitely is attracted to him, whether or not they used to have a sexual history is unclear. But she says, you have what well, you have to understand, don't you remember anything? Your wife is crazy. Like your wife is insane. And she was seeing this 
Jack guy the whole time. And um, she's a pathological liar and you can't trust her, right? And she's saying it with such intensity that you think, well, you're the crazy one and maybe you're the one who's been shooting bullets and killing people. And that's the kind of groundwork it lays for that twist. You're like, oh, it was, you know, the mother-in-law or the sister-in-law all along. And, mm -hmm. and they just do a little bait and switch that way. Or maybe you go, oh, well, maybe it is the wife and they're going to kind of try and double back on that. And they do. They do all of those things. <laughs> but, you know, we get, we get the uh, private eye gets involved because he just won't let this go. So he's always sniffing around and coming back to him. And, and then we sort of get on the private eye side and we're wondering, well, is it possible that Richard Gere has remembered uh, more than he thought? Not is Richard it... Gere. Uh, uh, what's his name again? Oh, right, right now. I'm sorry, not Richard Gere. Uh, I'm totally spacing on the guy's name. Doesn't matter. Uh, Tom Berenger. <laughs> Tom, Tom Berenger. Um, so everything is up in the air, but where where they end up going with it, right? So so at a certain point, they get a panicked call. Things are really escalating, and they think they've seen uh, Stanton, and he's not dead, and and that maybe he's still in cahoots with the wife, or that maybe he's coming. Maybe he and the wife or he alone tried to kill them both or tried to kill him. And maybe the wife was in on it and he's still trying to finish the job. Mm -hmm. So there's these crazy, oh, there's also a crazy car chase with the red Porsche or whatever that Stanton through the, the woods, the redwoods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As if it's just, that's not how natural uh, national preserves work. Uh, you can't you just have car chases through there. Anyway, it's bonkers. It's it's absolutely bonkers. And we end up learning that the body, right? Stanton's body is was disposed of. We keep getting these little flashbacks of memory that's floating to the surface. So we we go to the ship to discover stanton's body and find out the truth and it's um tom berenger and his pi buddy go to sort of finally get to the bottom oh i'm sorry they get a frantic call from the the wife of the partner and you have to come now so they rush over there and she's been murdered mm -hmm. um and everything just keeps escalating at a mile a minute so then they he's like look you can sorry and the pi thinks keep, maybe tom berenger getting, has done it yeah because tom berenger goes finds her stabbed and is kneeling over the body when the pi who has been following him comes in mm -hmm. and goes you know this looks bad and he's like i didn't do it i don't remember anything and you know but i guess he trusts him and and the performance does make tom berenger seem sincere mm -hmm. he's like at least look if i did it if I, I didn't kill her, but if I killed Stanton, you know, I'll, I'll face the music, I'll go to prison, but at least give me an opportunity to remember what happened. So because this is what always happens, he does. And then they, that's when they go down to the ship to find the body and they go. So here we, here we are, we're down at the ship. <laughs> we, we go in the ship and then there's a huge, like within this container that supposedly contains chemicals. 
and they're which, which they're turned waiting, out to be formaldehyde, and they're right? wait, yeah, <laughs> and they're waiting through it all. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he, there's a sort of a shadowy, you can see the body submerged. Yeah. Why, why would, why would a tanker have formaldehyde in it? What, why would it be full of formaldehyde? Because <laughs> movie logic. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, why did the tanker crash? Why hasn't that been cleaned up? Why, 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 why? Yeah. You kind of just have to go with it, I guess. But I was just like a tanker full of formaldehyde. Why is, Yeah. Yeah, because that's the joke. It's like, oh, it was. Uh, they thought that the body was would the chemicals would dissolve the body, and it's all oh, jokes it on you. It's preserved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bad luck. So he reaches in. This is the this is the pivotal scene. He reaches down in there, and you're like, you're gonna reach into this filth, and you're gonna pull a dead body up. And I guess he has to know. He has to know. And Tom Berenger reaches in, wincing. And, and pulls this body to the surface, which miraculously is feet down, right? So he can grab it by the lapels and pull it up out of the water. He pulls it up and he's face to face with himself, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did you laugh out loud when, at this revelation? Yeah. We, I did. I laughed out loud just watching we, by myself. We skipped something really important. Okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. we didn't, but so there's a car crash, right? In the initial car crash, he, his face is absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. So she's out, he goes all the way down and they do reconstructive surgery on him for weeks, you know, using the pictures of Tom Berenger to make him look the same again. And so at this moment we realize, oh, the guy that who himself has believed he is Tom Berenger the whole time has actually been Jack Stanton. Mm-hmm. and the person who was killed was tom berenger yeah and it, it is at that moment when they're standing there agape and he's looking at this corpse of himself which is actually a really neat shot it is yeah. like it's it's corny it's unbelievable but you're just kind of like <laughs> well it took guts to you know orchestrate the shot it's at that moment that the private investigator is shot <laughs> And it's the wife. And she's like, well, what did you want me to do, Jack? I couldn't tell you the truth, you know, when I realized. And so what had happened was uh, Berenger had discovered the affair. He had come home. He was knocking his wife around. And uh, um, fiercely protective Stanton sort of came running him after him and shot him in their bedroom. And then he, Stanton, and the wife, who was still in love with him, went to dispose, dispose the body in the ship. And it, it was on the drive home when Stanton was saying, I can't do that. I'm not a part of this. She's like, we have to make a run for it. And he's like, I didn't. Oh, wait, no, she shot him. No. Who shot him? Uh, she shot him. And yeah, he yeah. witnessed she, it. Yeah, yeah. She shot her husband, who was attacking her, was beating her. And he, he was a bad guy. And witnessed it. And... Yeah, right. Because this is a relatively nice guy in this whole movie. And all along, we think the Rick Stanton guy is a bad guy, but he's right. actually a good guy. And Tom Berenger is the bad guy. Has been him all along, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so he helps her dispose of the body. And she's like, "Well, you're in it now." And he's like, "Well, no, no, no. This is, I didn't kill anybody, right?" So, I they're kind of arguing about it, and I think it's an accident. She doesn't really drive it over the cliff, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's an accident that first time. And she's kind of immediately thrown free and he goes over and, and we know from the rest of the movie. But it doesn't stop there because uh, we, we 
wait, now I'm getting foggy on exactly what happened. So it's so convoluted. That it's right. Easy to right. So he, so the PI is shot in the back and he falls. He into, falls into the formaldehyde or whatever. Or formaldehyde adjacent other filth. He just yeah. falls in this underwater. And, you know, uh, Stanton, we now know is Stanton, dives in after him, tries to save him. And the wife is shooting into the water, right? She's like, what are you doing? She's like, he's gone. We have to get out of here. So they one, leave. One thing that we have to, I want to stop you for just a second, because it's a great thing at the very end of the movie. Maybe my favorite thing about the whole thing is all along, um, uh, he is the, the PI guy, it, Bob Hoskins, it, he has asthma. So he has a he has an inhaler for right. asthma. So that that leads to a thing at the end, right? So he has fallen into the toxic waste. So he's dead, and, and right? we he is dead because he's underwater for several. He's minutes. been shot. He's underwater We're, for a long. While time. they're arguing, he's dead underwater. He's been shot yeah. in the back through the chest and has fallen yeah. into the water under which he has no the water being toxic chemicals mm-hmm. under which he has been now for several minutes. Uh, so he's 100% dead. So we leave she, <laughs> at gunpoint. She's like, come on, let me get out of here. And uh, she's driving and he's in the passenger seat, right? And they're, they're zooming up the highway. And she's like, you know, we can still get away. And we're, we're now sort of back where they were when they had the first crash. Because she's saying we got to go. And he's like, this is crazy. We have to turn ourselves in. Like, we need to help him. We need to call uh you know the authorities and maybe he's still alive and she says uh basically she says i have a better idea and it becomes clear that she's going to kill them both she's going to commit suicide by driving over the edge of the road and correct which she does right mm-hmm. and he jumps out just as the car goes over the cliff so she in despair wants to end it all for both of them and it's the the repeat scene from the beginning except that she, i guess she was driving the first time too wasn't she yeah she was yeah mm-hmm. but this time she intentionally goes over the cliff whereas the first time it was an, it was accident, an accident while they were arguing so he just kind of does one of these stuntman rolls on the side of the road and he's fine uh, and the car goes over and explodes spectacularly in a long shot. And then a helicopter lands it, next to him in the road. He looks up like, what? And out of the helicopter, nimble as can be, pops Bob Hoskins. Really none the worse for wear. I mean, it looks like he's just he's in great he's, shape. He's fine. Um, and he comes over and he's like, what? How? And he pulls out the inhaler and he's like, ah, I got my own tank. Yeah, yeah. You want a pop? I love that line. I love that. Yeah. That what about great. the bullet through your chest? He <laughs> yeah. just got patched up a little bit. Yeah, just a couple okay. of stitches while you were underwater. I don't know. He has a helicopter from his like buddies when he was in the you know with the police or whatever. Right. Yeah. And just ha- handy. They just got there. Like, how did they find you in the? Oh, I guess he did. Did he call the police? So at so, one yeah. point he calls the police and so there is precedent for him having like sent up a flare at some point but yeah i loved that i loved that part with at a certain point thing- this movie started to feel like it had been written by a 14 year old 
like mm-hmm. then the helicopter and then gi joe is there and he saves everything <laughs> okay. i got my own tank i love that line one thing that we left out to backtrack a little bit so there are the parts like the when you talked about the uh in the redwood forest with the Porsche and all that so there are parts where there are following the what's his name rick stanton guy and that's actually the wife dressed up right dressed right he comes into the room yeah. and there's rick stanton with his curly dark hair and his leather jacket and rick stanton reaches up a la stallone and <laughs> yeah, yeah. pulls off the wig and turns around and it's his wife like you wouldn't realize that this is not a man you know this is this is his wife in disguise it's just i mean the takeaway from the movie feels like rich people are crazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's like they have so much money and so much to do that all they do is kill each other and dress up in crazy wigs and drive around each other's cars pretending to be each other and pin murders on each other and you know it's always the thing in movies again it's you know you can't really nitpick too much because there's just so much crazy stuff that happens in this movie and you either go with it or you don't but that you know in movies they can always do this unbelievable plastic surgery you know where they can make somebody look like somebody else or exactly how they used to look before and like plastic surgery isn't like that in real life you know that makes me think of the mission impossible franchise with uh tom cruise where they just kind of you know which is in there but he's got like a little vocal thing you strap across your thing it's like oh see it it does the voice or whatever and you kind of yeah. that yeah that doesn't exist but it's still yeah. you know it's fun oh sure sure yeah and like face off you know where they trade trade faces you know right which of course I, now we're actually, doing we actually see face transplants now and it's really i mean it's amazing that they can do that but it's uh you don't look great no no not at all, which they're actually, I believe, working on a, a face-off remake or a sequel or something because everything gets remade. Sure. But I didn't yeah, think the so, first one was so great. But. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So what do you think about this in terms of, if, first of all, is this a genre that you like? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, when, when so that was, we were just in high school really Mm -hmm. at the end of the uh, 80s and early 90s uh and i loved watching movies um and thrillers like this like you know it would have been a little uncomfortable to watch um basic instinct with my parents because that was pretty sexy but for Mm -hmm. the most part these kind of thrillers were things that we could watch together at home um on video or or you know sometimes we'd go out to the movies as a family and this was the kind of thing that all of us would enjoy Mm -hmm. um i do i do like the genre you know what do you sure yeah and one thing that i i think about this is and i know that i you know people that have listened to the other episodes of similar films like this probably i probably sound like a broken record but um this was a big genre at the time that kind of doesn't exist anymore. These sort of thrillers for adults, you know, there's never any kids in these movies. It's all, you know, middle-aged and older people. Um, And there, even though I, you know, I definitely saw some of the big ones, you know, basic instinct and uh, fatal attraction and, and those kind of things, 
but there are they made they made so many of these that it's fun now to go back because a lot of them I never saw. And um, other than I, I guess maybe the streaming services are kind of doing some of these kind of things as series, you know, even, but these things do not get in the cinema anymore like they did at this time. Right. Uh, so I think it's fun to go back and, you know, they're just, most of them are, are ridiculous, but, uh, uh, but even things like Presumed Innocent with Harrison Ford, I think is like a little bit higher brow. I don't remember it as being super crazy. Um, and sometimes they had a little twist. You mentioned Harrison Ford or Witness. He's a cop. Yeah. And it's sort of, he goes to You know, I don't Amish know if you country. remember or not. We saw Witness in the theater together. No, yeah. I didn't remember that. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. I didn't remember that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Which I remember being... Um, so I don't know if, I don't remember what the circumstances were because I don't know if we saw this with your dad or I somehow, so. we probably I, must have since it was rated R. I remember seeing it with my dad. I didn't remember that yeah. you were there with us. Yeah, we we saw it together, but I remember, you know, the scene in the beginning in the movie where um, there's a guy that gets killed in a bathroom. They they slit his throat. And I remember like as a kid being really freaked out by that. Yeah. You know, really, really disturbed. And there's um, a scene in which he sort of walks in on the love interest while she's taking a, a bath in one of those yeah. big Kelly tubs. McGillis. And, and Kelly McGillis. Yeah. And, and she's naked. And mm-hmm. she was gorgeous. And I was like, yeah, girls. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and oh, my dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, that one's a classic, you know. And so um, I don't know. It just it seems like these thrillers for adults are not made now, um, other than you know, like as I said, I I think maybe Netflix and some of the other streaming services they're making almost more series of these kind of things. So yeah, or yeah. you know, Lifetime movies or or that kind of thing. Yeah, the episodic and the hour long format seems to mm-hmm. because you can take the character and you can take the you know characters and you can have them go through recurring. Right. Like yeah. Harrison Ford, it could be a whole season or a whole series of seasons about that character. And once you got through one arc of a storyline, you could start the next. They're not comparatively expensive to shoot. Yeah, there's not a lot of special effects and, you know, that kind of thing. But um, but I, I these kind of stories lend themselves really well to a 90 minute format, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I agree. So, I mean, would you recommend it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this one is, is definitely on the goofier end of the spectrum. Like I, like I said, I think it's something along the lines of, which I don't remember this movie all that well, other than it being silly, but like a double jeopardy with uh, Ashley Judd, you know, she did several of those. She was kind of the queen of that for a while. Yeah. But yeah, if you like, you know, if you're not too, uh, wrapped up in everything being 100% believable. If you like the crazier aspects of these kind of films, then uh, and it has a really good cast. Um, and as I said, it's competently made. There's nothing spectacular about the music or the cinematography or any right. of that. It, but it just gets a little Dan Brown with like how life works, you know. Oh, it turns out the secret order, and oh, it's all been the Illuminati all along. Okay. 
And it's one of those things where if, you know, some of the, even though we watched a lot of these at those time, at that time, we were also kids. So we had no concept of what it was like to be an adult. And at the time you're just kind of like, is this how adults behave? Is this what, you know, it's like, and then, uh, you realize, no, it wasn't at all. Like, like you said, it, it seems as if it were written by a 14 year old boy. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I would recommend this too, with my usual caveat of, it, it's not one of the A-list greats of this genre. No. Um, which is if why- you've seen you've, all the A-list ones and then now you're working your way down, you know, this which is- Which is why you've one. never heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> right. You've never heard of it because it's bonkers. I but, think it made, a, I think it said, was like uh, the box office was $11 million. I'm sure it cost more than that to make. Um, you know, even though it wasn't a big budget, it probably cost 20 or 30 million, you know, even at that time to make. Um, so yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem that it did all that well in cinemas. But I thought it was entertaining, you know, yeah. and I did get a couple of, you know, laughs out of it that obviously clearly the filmmaker did not intend for it to be a funny moment, but some of it is just so like when he sees himself you just go like, oh i mean do you God. think that was of meant to be you go of course of course it's him what's what's the other reveal yeah it's not stanton at all who, who have we met we haven't met anybody else in the movie it can only be like oh that's why they did that crazy reconstructive surgery on him because it wasn't ever him but do you think the filmmaker or the filmmakers meant this to be a very serious film or if they did they know this was kind of silly i think i my guess would be that they gave themselves license to play very loosely with credibility and plausibility right because that's what this genre is a thriller it's escapism it's not about, uh, you know, it's not a police procedural. It's not about crossing every T and dotting every I. It's about the big turns in the road and being a fast and exciting ride mm -hmm. with surprises, you know? And so I, I think they did that. And I think that the risk with that is you, you take a turn too sharp. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor. I'm back on the highway with them before they go off the... <laughs> You take, you take some of those turns too sharp and even the viewer is sort of like physics doesn't work this way. Like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, and I, I fine. I I went with it. I go with it. Right. But if, if, the, if you, if your story breaks the rules of the universe, you create yourself. It takes me out of it. Yeah. Right. So it's like we see all these new Star Wars movies and if it starts to not feel like Star Wars anymore, then it takes me out of it. But I don't sure. mind that it's new faces and, and now it's diverse and other things. I'm like, yeah, well, it should be diverse. It's the universe. There's like green aliens. There should be some humans with different colored skin, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but if somebody starts behaving or doing something in a way that doesn't feel like Star the Star Wars universe, then I'm kind of like, that was weird. And I, and I can't really get past it. Yeah. And this one, this again, this one was fine two thirds of the way through. And then it was like, uh, what? 
but in a yeah. great way. So I mean, if oh, you're yeah. down with that, I'd be like, yeah, it was it was a great B thriller with A list actors. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say, um, I don't know if it's just the time that we grew up, but I love just in general private eye stuff. Yeah. It doesn't seem like be, because there were so many, especially on television when we were kids, you know, you had Magnum PI and all these other kind of other similar shows like private detective things were just like, oh, you know, if you watch TV or just like, hey, everybody's a private detective, right. you know, and that unless they're doing a typical and especially like a noir throwback kind of a thing, you don't really see private detective stuff that much now. No. Uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. No. Um, so I kind of almost anything with a private detective, I'll give a shot. You know, it's interesting. It's I wonder, you know, I'm sure there are theses, theses on this, but now it feels like NSA. It feels like national security type. Thriller. That stuff is big. Yeah. If it's not a police procedural, like trying to catch the guy who's killing the women, it's trying to catch the terrorist. We're trying to catch the right, and that started to happen with Lethal Weapon, and it started the stakes started to rise where it wasn't just person A murdered or person A turns up dead. Was it B, C, or D who did it? It wasn't just a murder mystery. It was someone's trying to hurt a lot of people. Yeah, and this person or this team of people needs to race to the beat them to the finish line before they can and maybe that just stems from you know terrorism obviously existed when we were kids but it wasn't it was kind of like a far away thing and really and until 9-11 that wasn't you just we didn't growing up didn't think about terrorism right you know it wasn't a it wasn't something that really affected us so right um so i don't know but yeah i uh uh you know detective stuff uh, tends to appeal to me. Another thing, um, you know, Bob Hoskins, I feel like <clears throat> for our generation and probably even younger people, uh, it's Roger Rabbit. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I've seen, and I, he did a ton of movies, but I don't know that I've seen a lot of other things that Bob Hoskins did other than Roger Rabbit. He's really um, good. I mean, yeah. he takes a lot of difficult to deliver dialogue mm -hmm. and he delivers it convincingly with ease and charm. Yeah. And you think <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, that's that's a pro right there. And he's doing it in a, a very thick but very plausible New York accent. I mean, I'd be lying if there weren't people all over New York that spoke just like that. Sure. They're kind of, you know, anybody who speaks with the crazy cliche, the whether it's the main, oh, the old main sea salt or the, you know, the North Dakota mom, whatever it is, you, you know, you you think they're kind of a parody of themselves, but that's where the parody comes from because it's sure. it's real. Um, and he yeah. seems to be having a lot of fun. He does. In this movie. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. And kudos to him because it's. Uh, it's, this movie's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it started raining hard here. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but we're having a hard... Vaguely. Hard yeah, I can vaguely hear that. Um, what do you want to do for next time? 
So we talked about um, Malignant, which is new. That, that right. movie that's on HBO Max. That's another right. really ridiculous movie if you want to go that route. And I don't know what was there other were there other things that we mentioned. I know there were a couple of sci-fi things that I um, that I had seen on some lists and kind of brought up. I don't know if I'll go back through our. Yeah, go back through our list. I, I was just watching another Dune thing. You had mentioned that you had a, a friend or a student who, who had seen it because it's been released and thought yeah. it was excellent. Yeah. There's a featurette about the different houses that I was on, watching earlier today on YouTube. And it really, the look of the film is really great. So I'm still super excited to see it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's towards, that's like October 22nd, I think. Yeah. Um. We oh, also watched, talked about. Oh, sorry. go ahead. Sorry, I I, I did watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, so I've oh great, I completed the whole Indiana Jones trilogy, and yeah, it, it it really is the best. That movie just snaps right along. I think yeah, it, it. I even though I love I love Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and they're kind of Raiders and Temple of Doom are kind of one A and one B with me for me. I think Raiders is a clearly better made film um it's there's no fat in that movie it is just and i remember in the in the final climactic scene of that i remembered thinking like i went back just to see how long that that sequence actually was because i'm like wow that goes so fast like that they are there and they're doing it and then then he's laughing oh and then the angel of death and they're all toast and then oh and the lid and you're like Wow, that was like, I remember that scene being like this huge epic. I mean, it's epic in what happens, but even that last scene is just boom, 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 over, you know? Mm -hmm. And you got to Now the same friend who was talking about Dune, we were actually talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark and he brought up, uh, and I had heard this elsewhere. So this, this idea, you know, was already out there, but a criticism of Raiders is that um, you can basically take Indiana Jones out of the story and it, and it still happens. Like he doesn't prevent anything from happening. Right. The, the Nazis still get the Ark and they still, so he didn't even have to be there. They could have, you know. That's a good point. And I think <laughs> I'm sure there are it, other movies that you could make the same argument. You know, I remember um, this when I rewatched Star Wars as an adult because we saw it as children mm-hmm. and it really, we were the target demographic and it got us hook, line and sinker. And Raiders was like that for me, watching it as an adult, it did. I mean, I was still on board and I still love it, but it did strike me how comic booky this idea of the swashbuckling archeologist, this tomb Raider really, Mm-hmm. is the whole concept of it is um okay um it's just how implausible both uh, certainly star wars but star wars is very much pitched at a child's mindset like kind of short for a stormtrooper aren't you huh oh you know they're just the the love triangle and it all just felt so juvenile and in 
in Indiana Jones, the, the idea that there's a bad version of him that shows up. So Dr. Jones, once again, we see there's nothing, you know, he just takes him. He's always like beating him to the punch and how black and white or rather how painted in primary colors, the storylines are like the, you know, newsprint that comic books were printed on. It just, it was a comic book movie really it's, before that was a thing. It's interesting to, I don't necessarily put Raiders in this category, but it's interesting to go back and watch those eighties movies and see how, uh, how much simpler they are compared to films films today are a lot more complex that doesn't mean they're smarter or better or anything but they're definitely much like uh i just recently in the last few months watched the original ghostbusters and you just watch that and it's very simple you know there's just not a whole i mean it's it's you know it's fun um but there's not a whole lot to it and the the uh you know, 80s, 70s and 80s movies in general are like that. You watch yeah. them and it's like, wow, they're so simple and movies now are just a lot more complex. Yeah, I mean, I think if you compare like the Avengers, it, that that is so complex that it gets boring at some mm-hmm. point, that first Avengers movie. But I don't think if there was no Steven Spielberg's Raiders of the Lost Ark, I don't know that you'd ever have the Avengers. Like it's so the entire comic book genre. And I know they made the first Superman movie in the 80s. But I just feel like Spielberg pioneered the way you can take that two-dimensional comic book material and make it viable on screen with live action folks. Right. And you sell it with Brio and you, you kind of keep things clipping along. And again, I didn't, I didn't write a thesis on it, but I feel like that must have been written more than one time. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. I don't know what to do for next time. Um, I mean, we can, we can figure it out. Let it be a surprise. Uh, we talked about, um, Another that I brought up was uh, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, which you said you've not seen. Oh, yeah. And I know um, somebody who was in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an entertaining one. That's both of those movies. So what got me thinking about Drag Me to Hell is Malignant. is James Wan who did, I don't know what, Saw movies and some other stuff. And then he went on to uh, Fast and the Furious. And then he did the Aquaman movie. I think he's doing the second, second Aquaman movie but he came back to horror with this malignant film. And it was kind of like, okay, I've made all this money for these studios. And now I'm going to do this thing that I want to do this goofy horror movie with a pretty big budget. And Sam Raimi started out with the evil dead movies and then went on and did three Spider-Man films and then came back and did uh, drag me to hell, which is, you know, feels a lot like the Evil Dead movies with more of a budget and, and bigger stars and everything. Maybe we so. should do that. I was curious about that at the time. And I, I I saw it once in the theater and I've not seen it since. I enjoyed it, but I haven't revisited it. So I don't remember a lot about it. All right. But that'd be a fun that. one. Let's do that Okay. One. So for next time, we're going to do Drag Me to Hell. And I'm coming down to Parkersburg. So mm-hmm. maybe we will get to do the next one 
together in person. Yeah, side that'd by be side. great. It could be a very special, very special episode. A very special Chris episode. Chris, Chris uh, and Chris talk movies uh, together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I mean, I assume Drag Me to Hell will be, we haven't looked yet, but would be easy to find streaming with uh, tonight's film Shattered. It's on Amazon and I think you can get it on Apple TV. And that so it's, right. it's easy to find. Yeah. You know, occasionally we'll do these, we'll try to do these and then it's like, oh, it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, we'll be surprised um, by the fact that we can't get it. Um, oh, one of the things we had talked about doing closer to Halloween, which we're coming up on, was uh, Rocky Horror Pictures. Yeah, which I've, I don't know if I've seen it in its entirety, so... What would be really fun, and I'm not going to be able to be there with you for that, is if you can find a live screening. Those are mm -hmm. really fun to do midnight screenings where everybody dresses up. Maybe yeah. they're not still doing that anymore, but I remember when we were in college, that was a thing that happened. Yeah, I think it's still going on. I mean, I don't know with COVID if uh, what's happening with that. or, or not. Um, And that now that you mentioned that, um, going back to Sam Raimi, they are uh doing uh whatever it is 40th anniversary or whatever evil dead in the theaters i think it's a 4k um but it's going to be one of those things where it's a one night thing yeah i think it's october 7th hmm. um but well, that soon. was something that it's not playing here so it's like the closest place that for me would be like 35 miles and i don't think i would be it's on a week night so i don't think i would be able to do that but right um but that's a pretty cool thing that is happening so cool yeah um all right so uh chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com we do have the youtube channel now if you want to check out our foray into the visual medium otherwise please stick with us uh here on your usual listening channel uh we're going to continue to post both uh we're on the socials you can send us suggestions um feedback we appreciate any of that. Absolutely. Uh, and we appreciate you. Thank you for <laughs> joining us yet again. Um, so and any final words? Uh, I, I don't have any that I can think of. All right. Great. Then I guess we will talk to you next week. <laughs>